And we are back for another part train. It's just Sermon Ev this time. This is a show, if you guys are just joining us, Sermon, this is a show that uses golf as the ultimate learning platform, right? Oh, yeah. And use it in your life. Live, golf, learn, you know? Yeah, that's what it is. So we'll get into this interview in a second and give you guys a little bit of a an idea of what we talked about with PJ Tour Pro, Brennan Todd. Um, but before we do, Roback, one of our partners, is doing something that a lot of great companies are doing, which is they're creating, they're manufacturing masks, right? They're not yep. medical grade per se, but they're creating masks through their materials, which can you imagine a better material that's breathable and moisture wicking and anti- microbial is that a word i think so i mean it's whatever you got to give them a ton of credit like that they're making this effort to like like they say contribute in any way they can yeah it's meant to be just like a a secondary form of prevention and but also to put it over your masks for medical workers so you can pre-order them now at roback.com enter the code train for 20 percent off but more importantly um maybe do that you know, to support some of your friends in the medical world, as well as protecting your own family um, when you go to the grocery, otherwise stay inside. But the other thing we should say too, Serm, which we, we both just bought something from them just oh, because yeah. like in this quarantine life, like you need comfort. Comfortable clothes. <laughs> and I just bought my first performance tee long sleeve. Oh, nice. Which might be one of the most versatile garments I've ever owned. It's not like, you know how sometimes those long sleeve Under Armour shirts, it looks like you're wearing an Under Armour shirt. It's like too tight, you know? Totally. That's not what theirs is. It's a little bit tighter in the arms, which I like, which you can easily roll up. But it's nice and tight where you want in the shoulders, maybe a little chest, but then it's nice and loose on the way down. And sure. it's just prime loungewear. I could wear it out if I wanted underneath like a button down or a jacket, or I could wear it to work out when it's a little cooler here in LA, you know, a little cool sometimes. Well, well, well we got a theme going. I just picked up the, uh, the ball boy, which is a white polo long sleeve. So we both are gotten the long sleeves and it's great. Um, I'm definitely going to get a few more just wear it under. Well, it's great. Cause I got the bleaker vest yeah. from rollback. Oh, so it's perfect. kind of a great, I mean, we're not we're obviously working from home right now, but it's a great work from home look, right? And Mondays or Fridays in the office. So rollback, these guys are coming through again and again and, and, and giving back to the situation that we've all been affected by with the virus. But, you know, Ev, speaking of partners, you was, we, we chatted with Brendan Todd, and he's a big super speed guy too, yeah. another par- partner of the show. In this downtime, he's working on his speed and getting a few extra yards. So it's actually kind of the perfect time to be swinging speed sticks in your apartment or just outside your apartment away from people, obviously. Um, so enter the code par train, uh, one word for 10% off super speed. You get double promo code in this episode. Great partners. Um, but let's talk about Brennan Todd. Obviously, sir, we had Ward Jarvis, his mental performance golf coach on a couple. We love Ward. We're, we're big fans of Ward's. Okay, it was one of our favorite episodes. Um, and this was no different. Um, Ward was one of the folks that helped Brendan turn around his game. And, you know, to give people context, and I'm sure people have heard his story. If you haven't, yep. you know, Brendan had two major slumps in his career where um, he won his first PJ Tour event in 2014. 
got to top 40 in the world, um, played in his first Masters in 2015. And then from 2015 to about 2018, he missed 37 out of 40 cuts, right? He was ready to quit but, golf. Yeah. He was about to open a pizza franchise in Georgia. Yep. Um, and I think we can all relate to that, especially because we are not professionals. So it constantly feels like an ebbs and flow. One day you play great, the next day you play like shit. I'll say this real quick too, Sarm. I'll let you give your take. Um, a, a shout out to another podcast, No Laying Up. I'm sure you guys know it. Uh, they had Brendan Todd on after his back-to-back wins in 2019. So he won back-to-back tournaments in the fall series, um, at the Bermuda and then the Mayakoba. They had him on right after that. And so I think the No Laying Up interview is a great interview if you want to get great play-by-play, sure. tournament-by-tournament, shot-by-shot, and where Brennan was at mentally. I think this interview was much more big-picture things he's learned and life lessons to take yeah. um, from this. And also, I forgot to mention, we had technical difficulties yeah. um, for the first time ever where our calls weren't going through where we normally use, you know, through our computer and our mics. So we had to use this new app we've never used that basically is a call recorder on our iPhones. We were all on our hey, iPhones. We improvised. We improvised. We made it happen. But in case the sound doesn't sound like this and it's not as good of quality as normal, that's why. Um, but sir, I'm like this episode goes deep. And in a time like this, yeah. I found like it was the most amazing conversation. I thought I thought it was a very reflective episode. Uh, I think I think the listeners are going to love it. Uh, he he, Brendan Brendan has a really great foundation. Mm. I think in his life, um, he's been through a lot. I mean, we're all going through a lot right now. Um, but this is a guy who kind of really wants to tell his story and and I think help others. And that's the feeling we got when we interviewed Ward Jarvis, uh, his performance coach. And um, there's a lot of nuggets here. For everybody, we talked. We talked swing. We we talked mental approach. We talk about you know how to bring your life full circle to find success. It's it's a good one. I say we dive right into it. Ev. I mean, we even talk. You know what prepares a PGA Tour the best at home? Is it we golf, Tiger Woods, EA Sports, Golden Tee, or Call of Duty? I mean, you'll have to wait to hear his answer. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but yeah, this definitely listen to the end. Uh, because I felt inspired after listening to this. Yeah, I don't know if it's it was pretty powerful. It was pretty powerful. It really was, and yeah. so we'll hope to get him on again at some point, and hopefully the PGA Tour season will jump back up here soon. But you guys enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll see you soon. Let's do it. And we're back with the one and only PGA Tour pro, multiple winner on the PGA Tour, I should say, Brennan Todd. How you doing, Brennan? This is an odd time to be having a, a conversation, but maybe the best time to have a conversation. Yeah, it's definitely a good time for reflection, uh, having some time away from the game and away from the tour. And, um, you know, there's a lot of struggling people out there, so it'll just be good to, uh, you know, provide a little relief and maybe a little bit of golf talk to uh, entertain some folks out there who are, um, you know, really needing some golf in their life. For sure, and I think we'll get to those times in a second. First, we'll, we're going to start off with a little bit of fun, to your point, um, to give people a little lighter, uh, something a little lighter. So first question is, what what do you think helps a PGA Tour pro like yourself prepare best at home? We've got four options for you, okay? 
uh, Wii Golf, EA Sports Tiger Woods, Golden Tee, or a Tiger Woods favorite, Call of Duty? <laughs> I'm going uh, Golden Tee every time. Oh. And are you a pull it straight back, pause, power through, or are you a are you a singular pullback straight through motion with good tempo? No, it's two motions. So you got to get that thing spinning back, and then you got to wind up and just oh, crush that thing forwards. Crush it. Okay. The short game. I know you got a good short game. The short game in Golden Tee is tricky. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> yeah, it is really tricky. Um, it just seems a little more realistic. I mean, Tiger Woods EA Sports, you can basically drive it 400 yards every time, so <laughs> it uh, dwarfs golf courses a little bit. Wii Golf, I haven't done enough of that. And uh, Call of Duty, I haven't done enough of that either. And I'm just going to go ahead and say I love Golden Tee, so. There we go. Pick. Yeah, you think their sales could be up, you know, get them installed into our houses. Uh, Brendan, true or false? You know, the Masters is kind of happy that there was a delay considering Tiger's health and he needed to heal. What do you think about that? That was quite a it was quite a build up for him maybe not playing. Interesting. I guess I didn't follow a lot of the media uh, surrounding Tiger's health leading up to it. Obviously, I know he didn't play Bay Hill or the players, but I didn't know that the Masters was really ever in question. Um, coincidentally, I think I played with him during his last PJ Tour round, uh, the final round in L.A. And yep. he didn't play very well, but he didn't look injured to me. Um, you know, his body moved fine. He hit it normal tiger distance. And, um, you know, it was more just fatigue. And, you know, that was just one of those weeks, I think, because he was hosting the tournament and it kind of wore on him and his short game wasn't as sharp as he'd like it. And I don't think uh, the scores there reflected, uh, you know, where his game was at at all, I think it was more just, um, you know, one of those weeks. And I was really expecting him to play the players in the Masters. And if he didn't play the players, he'll play the Masters. So I'm sure, um, you know, if we can have the Masters in 2020, uh, the time off will probably be good for him. And I'm sure that they'll be psyched to have him there. For sure. Well, speaking of the Masters, Brennan, um, I'm sure you were excited this year of playing it since, you know, 2015. Um, right. When you heard the news, I just, because this was for context, this is my first year that I was going to go. And okay. I know how I felt when, but I want to know how it felt when you had a, that invitation and you're going mm -hmm. to play. What was the first thing that went through your mind when you heard it would be postponed? I think just disbelief. Um it, everything was happening pretty quickly there. It was a Thursday of the players. And, I, you know, I watched Jay's press conference at noon before I went out for my first-round tee time. And I thought he said all the right things. And I was happy and proud that he was, uh, you know, trying to push on and finish the tournament and keep playing golf as long as we could. Um, so for to shoot an opening round 69, I feel like I was in a good position for a good week there. Have that tournament canceled. and I got word actually late that night, that same night, that the Masters was probably off. Um, you know, it was kind of a punch in the gut, and, you know, it was disappointing for sure. But, um, you know, obviously this coronavirus crisis has turned into something bigger than probably most Americans thought coming. 
and there's a lot of people that are hurting, and um, you know, we just got to take a step back and be socially responsible, and uh, hopefully we can all get through this. Do you think it's going to happen in October, and like the PGA Tour season in general? Like, in your mind, do you think you'll play again this year, or are you assuming that you won't? Hmm. Tough question. Um, everybody that I talked to in and around the tour just kind of acts like things are going to pick back up in late May and June. And um, <clears throat> you know, from my perspective, when I watch the news and just kind of follow the trends here with the cases and what I think we probably need in order to have sports resume, which would be cases getting, I would think, down near zero with uh, how contagious it is, that doesn't seem very right. likely to happen unless there's some, you know, miracle with summer heat, which I just don't really see happening. So um, I think we'll be lucky to start playing golf in, you know, September. I think that would be a, a pretty fortunate outcome, um, in which case I'm not sure how many majors we can get in at that point. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, definitely up in the air and i would say we're 50 50 on um you know really resuming golf before the fall right yeah it's a weird situation right because like you're one of the lucky ones where you've won plenty of times in your career throughout the tour three times right. on the pj tour so you're you're you got a nice cushion financially and i know some listeners might be like well boohoo for pro golfers there's a lot of tough right, situations absolutely. out there which which is probably true, but in the same sense, like yeah. a lot of the guys, keep me honest here, Brennan, on tour trying to make a top 10 to make their year, and I know they're struggling to make ends meet too. And if you don't have money games on the side to play mm -hmm. if the tours are done, like what, what, what do you know from friends that are on, maybe aren't, you know, as high in the world, highly ranked in the world? Yeah, as no you doubt. And that, your, uh, how, like how do, they, how do they make this yeah. happen? How do they keep things going? Yeah, for every, you know, 125 golfers uh, that are, let's just say, financially stable on the PGA Tour, there's 200 to 300 golfers that are, you know, playing the developmental tours between Corn Ferry Tour, PGA Tour Canada, Latin America, China, European Challenge, South African Tour. I mean, there's golfers all over the world that are struggling to make ends meet, no doubt. And so... You know, when you have a long break like this, it it does force them probably to find other ways to find income. I know a handful of foreign fair tour guys who are trying to give lessons on social media right now for twenty or thirty bucks a lesson. Conrad Schindler, yeah. JT Griffin, to name a couple. Sure. Um, I'm sure there's you know other things going on that I haven't heard about, and it, it is so it is difficult for a lot of professional golfers, and just in general, pro golf is a sport that. Uh, isn't very lucrative for the majority of guys. I mean, most guys turn pro, take a stab at it for three to 20 years and probably leave the game without much money and go get yeah. a job. And so, um, obviously, like you said, I'm one of the lucky ones who has had a, you know, a decent career and has made some money and uh, is able to handle, you know, long breaks and be okay. It's not the first long break I've had. I mean, you know, I've had multiple years in my career where I didn't make a cut. Um, I've had, you know, somebody was asking me today, when's the last time I had 
two months off, and I was like, well, I think it was a year and a half ago. After I missed every cut in 2018, I spent September, October uh, at home with the kids. Didn't touch club for six weeks, worked on my game, and that's kind of actually where I found my game was in that time off and you know doing some new drills that Bradley Hughes gave me and working with Ward Jarvis, my mental coach. Um, so I'm kind of familiar to this time off and spending a lot of time with the family and um, you know doing some, some workouts and some golf training at home to just kind of stay in touch with the game. And so, you know, I feel very well equipped for this break. Um, some guys might not feel so great about it, but I think at the end of the day, you know, everybody on the PJ Tour is pretty darn good, and when we resume play, whenever it is, um, you know, guys will be ready to go. Yeah, Brendan, this is Sturm. Um, so tell us about your day-to-day right now. Obviously, this is unprecedented times, but tell the listeners what you're doing at home to stay sharp, whether that's golf-wise, fitness-wise, nutrition, or having fun, you know, with yeah, what I mean, we at, can. At best, you know? Yeah, at, at best, I'm maybe doing – I'm trying to get three or four workouts in a week. And um, so that's probably more than I get during competitive weeks. You know, I don't work out a ton on the road. So it is definitely a time right now where I can work on my uh, my fitness and my strength and potentially gain a little bit of call that speed, which wouldn't hurt my game at all. And then, uh, you know, to stay sharp on my game, I'm more or less just trying to touch, touch the clubs a couple times a week. So fortunately, the turn clubs around Athens, um, are still open for walking around. They've got uh, pool noodle uh, in the cups around the pins, so the ball only drops in about an inch. Don't take the flags out, so trying to keep our social distance. And um, so I've played, you know, one to two rounds a week the last couple weeks, and had a couple good matches with some buddies here in Athens. So you know, I'm getting some golf in, I'm getting some workouts in, but the rest of my day is 100% consumed with my family. You know, I wake up at 7 with the kids and do the breakfast routine, do a little bit of schoolwork maybe with them, um, play some Uno, go outside, shoot some hoops, go on walks. Uh, we busted out the slip and slide on Saturday and Sunday with the kids. Oh. Just absolutely <laughs> destroyed our front yard, which is fun. Just getting getting creative, right? Did, 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 Brendan, did, couple, did Brendan Todd go couple, on these? Yeah, uh, I went down a couple times. I think more I posted okay. on this I made the gram. So we're out, we're having a blast, really. I mean, it's like an extended summer for us, except we can't eat out, and we're not going to on beach vacations right now. So it's all good. Sure. Life uh, is good here at Not House. Well, those are times you're going to cherish. Brendan, are you still doing some? Uh, you mentioned some club ad speed work. You doing? You still working with Super Speed? Yeah, I do still work with Super Speed Sticks. Um, I. I've never been super consistent with it because I feel like I'm always going to a tournament. So about that time, sure. usually when I quit. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, this will be a, a good stretch to maybe put in eight to 12 weeks in a row and just see if I can't make any progress there. Um, I do think it's kind of a combination between workouts and, um, you know, swinging the speed sticks or whether you're going practice 15 or 20 drivers a day or something that, you know, helps build color sure. speed. It's it's not a high priority of mine. I mean, if it happens, great. My number one goal is just to keep the golf swing feeling great, hitting it solid, being able to control my flights. Um, you know, if I can find just that, maybe that one swing that's a few miles an hour faster that I can use a couple times around, that would be ideal. For sure. We had super speed, had super speed guys on the show, and we're 
big believers, always looking for a few extra yards. But speaking of guys on the show, as you know, we had your best performance coach, Ward Jarvis, on. It was a, right. it was a treat to have him on. We had a lot of fun. Um, so tell listeners, Brendan, um, what is it about Ward's style and teaching that really connected with you? Um, obviously, you found him at an important time in your career when things were, you know, things weren't great. So we're interested yeah. in, in the connection. I think number one is, you know, he battles his own um, performance anxiety and that he's a stutterer uh, and he's a yeah, firefighter. He's so he's, you know, he's forced to, you know, he doesn't drives the trucks on, so he's forced to get on the mic and have to perform, um, you know, in stressful situations. And as he says, sometimes the words don't come out and he might have a five to ten second block where, you know, he just can't speak the way he want to, wants to. So. You know, I think that just that personal experience, that battle he's been through his whole life gives him um, great knowledge on the subject, great uh, relatability. And I think it's forced him to study, you know, a lot of important psychology and come up with his own, uh, you know, his own message, his own things that work for people. And so, uh, you know, I think that's number one. I already knew him. He's relatable. He goes through it. And I think number two is, you know, he's had a he's had three really good points for me, and this was from day one. And the first one was, everything that's happened has already happened. It's okay. You can forgive yourself. You know, everybody misses cuts. Everybody goes through slumps. It's no big deal. And then number two is, you still have elite talent. I mean, that same guy who won junior golf tournaments and college golf tournaments and professional golf tournaments, that's still you. That's still part of your capability and you know we just have to develop a bit of a process for you to get back in touch with the person and the mindset that allowed you to perform well previously so we don't have to rebuild anything we just have to get you back in touch or create some sort of structure that's going to allow you to perform you know at the level you need to perform and you're not that far away from it so you know those are really um, those are things that you want to hear as a player and as an athlete and as somebody who's struggling, you know, it's reassuring to hear somebody believe in you who hasn't seen you at a golf shot in 10 years. So I think, you know, those things have been the, the most important for him. Is there something no, specific, Brendan, that you're working on right now with Ward? Or maybe at the players, right, your last competitive round, something specific that you're inputting and thinking through Every hole, every round. Yeah, I mean, we are we're always in constant dialogue, so we're always texting. You know, we're talking on the phone, kind of as weeks go through. Um, sometimes we're rehashing sort of the process that worked for us or that got us here, um, or we're making tweaks to the structure that we've already put in place. But um, you know, recently it's been deal with the moments effectively. And as they come, and you know whether that's at home with my family or whether it's on the golf course, you always have thoughts that come in your head. You always have um, feedback from your golf ball, your body, your family, your caddy. There's always information coming in, and the better you can deal with the information coming in, the better equipped you're going to be to move forwards and execute the next moment well. So whether that next moment is giving your kid a speech on, you know, why they're not supposed to hit their sister or 
uh, you know, knock their Cheerios off the counter when they're mad, or if, <laughs> uh, you know, you just hit it in the water and you've got to stack it up and hit a good shot um, on the next one, or you know, maybe uh, you know, maybe a bad thought came in your head on a previous shot and you um, dealt with it well and you backed off and you were able to you know go hit a good shot. You know, it's it's all just kind of dealing with information and uh, you know trying to put yourself in the best mindset. 24/7 to, um, to play golf well, to treat people well, to be a good dad, good husband, all those things. Yeah, I mean, I know Brennan, you and Ward have both said in previous the Ward on our show, and I know you on No Laying Up and others talk about neutralizing the negative, right? And, right. and mindset is probably one of the biggest themes, if not the core theme of our show, not just on the course but in life, and. I wanted to pick your brain on this a little bit because I know and this is something that I practice in my life too. It's hard to take people that have negative thought patterns and tell them to be more positive, right? It comes off right. a little foo-foo, new age, non-tactical, kind of like, well, you're telling me to say something that's not a reality. What do you say to someone that hasn't really used utilize positive mindset and why it and maybe the power of positive thought to someone to maybe some of the naysayers yeah i think it's sort of a one of those look in the mirror moments right if you find somebody who thinks negatively and talks negatively um you could go a couple different ways i mean obviously you could tell them to think more positively but that doesn't really work but you could say um you know, if you were chatting for yourself or you were talking to yourself, how would you want that person to think and talk back to you? And, mm. you know, that's always been one of the things I've kind of tried to do is it's almost like to treat other people as you'd like to be treated. Well, treat yourself how you'd like other people to treat you. So if you're not mm. talking a lot to yourself or you're not thinking positively, then you're not treating yourself the way you want somebody else to treat you. Um, you know, there's there's a really good psychologist named Kevin Elko, who's uh, the Steelers and Nick Saban of used. He's got some pretty good uh, videos on YouTube. He always says, "Hear what you say to yourself." You know, if you're if you're attuned to what you're saying to yourself, whether you're trying to become more positive or less negative, all you have to do is listen to your thoughts, listen to what you're saying. You don't have to even try to change it. You just have to start to become aware of it. Awareness is is what breeds improvement. And and Wardsman's huge on that. Ward's always saying, you know, we're just trying to become aware of what's happening. Let's become aware of what's the last thing you told yourself before that shot. What um, what were you feeling in your practice wing? How did you deal with the, the shot afterwards? Just talk it out, figure out what happened, and then go see how you can do the next time. Benny, I'm feeling a theme here a little bit, just on a couple of our questions and answers. Like, you talk about totally, like, trying to get your life in a good place, right? Whether it's at home with mm-hmm. family, and that's going to translate to the golf course, right? And mm-hmm. I, I just, I think that's powerful, and I think we lose sight of it when, we, when our golf games go. Um, we don't really try to go connect the dots back. I, I just, just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I've been really fortunate that 
my life off the golf course has been really solid, pretty hitch-free. Um, my whole life, I've had a great upbringing, two older brothers, great parents. Um, college life was good. I had a good college golf coach, good teammates. I married my college sweetheart, Rachel. And, um, you know, even when I was going through the depths of my struggles, I mean, she was always a rock. We always had a good relationship. She didn't put pressure on me. She let me go practice. She traveled yeah. with me. Um, so all those things were really positive. And in a way, you would think, well, how this guy struggle so much? And I think in a way, it was almost like, um, you know, I would go practice my, my way maybe into a slump and, and practice my way further down it because I was like, well, I've got nowhere to turn. Like there's, there's nothing I can fix off the course. It's, it's you know, me, the club, and the ball. Um, so, you know, I would say the reason I was able to work my way out of it was I had that opportunity to go practice as much as I wanted and um, go seek out the right advice. And I had the support of a, um, a solid family life. So um, I think that's all been, been really positive for me. And, um, you know, I, I think it just shows that golf's a pretty fickle game and, um, you know, no matter what's happening on or off it, you, you've got to keep your things really in line and keep your head above water and talk well to yourself. Like we were just talking about. Yeah, Brennan, not to belabor on this point for too long, but what you just said reminded me of a lesson I learned once that you've probably now seen more and more at, with kids, which is this, this example of you have a kid, or really any child, whether it's you know a friend's kid or a niece or nephew, let's say they cut their finger or they do something wrong and they run to you crying. You're not going to scold them and tell them that they're mm-hmm. stupid. You're going to comfort them and tell them that it's okay. You're there for them, right? And they're doing the best they can exactly. with what they know and they'll learn. And I think that same thing applies to ourselves where a lot of times we we do the opposite. We berate ourselves when, you know, there there needs to be a lot more self-comfort, I think, in that world. And I'm sure you've seen it more as Absolutely. a parent. Yeah, we expect perfection. Um, it's you know, it's sort of a unfortunate, I'd say, aspect of our society, our culture, um, and even our sport. I mean, golf is sort of a perfectionistic sport. So, you know, the kinder you can be to yourself, uh, I think it's going to probably translate to better golf. Yeah, now for sure. Now, Brendan, you had said in a previous you know, interview that you had this new mindset of, of trying to birdie every hole. And you mm-hmm. certainly have some results that correspond with that mantra. So I'm interested in this because I grew up playing and I grew up, I played college golf and I find it interesting that traditionally focusing on outcome can have negative effect, negative effect for some players. So how does this kind of work for you? I have some thoughts, but I want you to dive in. I think first, uh, I never really got into trouble with my golf game because I was making too many pars and I was unhappy with pars, right? So I'm kind of the guy who like when I'm over par, I'm a little bummed out and, and, you know, maybe a little uh, feisty, but if I'm under par, you know, I'm pretty nice to myself and I feel pretty good. And I know I've gotten just, you know, one putt or a couple swings away from maybe getting really far under par. So I guess for me, like the birdie every old mentality, you know, just means I'm going to get under par. I'm going to feel comfortable and I don't want to, 
get too comfortable. I don't want to stop at two, three, four. I mean, I want to shoot as low as I can, just like everybody does. Right. And, um, you know, so now that I'm sort of freed up from, I'm unshackled, if you will, from some of the negative thinking I've had in the past or some of the scared thoughts I've had in the past. I mean, I have real confidence in my golf game. I know where my golf swing is. My putting's one of the best parts of my game. So, um, you know, here in the last year and a half, as I've started to play well and shoot some low rounds, I've been able to sort of tap into that mentality like, okay, let's keep going. You know, you know you can hit the next shot tight. So put yourself in the right mindset, give yourself the right information, uh, trust yourself, and, you know, deal with the feedback that comes the right way. And don't, if it's a par, it's a par, but at least try and make birdie. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of arrogance, but it's healthy arrogance, right? Like you just, mm-hmm. you're just in a confident mindset. So when I was growing up playing, my swing coach used to tell me that pressure is just a story that you tell yourself when you're out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I always thought that was great, right? Because we put pressure on ourselves when, you know, we're not playing well. And I think, you know, we can all talk about that. And then we put pressure on ourselves when we're, we're in, under the gun, right? When we got a chance to win, you know, or to, to compete. And, like, I, I always found that when I would crack under pressure, there was sometimes, a lot of times, I was just afraid to be great. You were kind of alluding to that. Like, you don't want to just, why is it sometimes you can't make two or three birdies in a row? You know, we make one, and it's like, well, can I keep doing this? And then you kind of get tentative. So, you know, yeah, I guess I think every real golfer's well, thought that. Yeah, go ahead. I think every golfer has thought that. I mean, I can even remember within the last year, obviously, just, you know, having times where it seems like you make a birdie, you make a bogey. Um, <clears throat> but again, that's just feedback. That's just information. You can tell yourself whatever you want, whatever thought pops in your head, but you can also move on to the next thought as quickly as you want and say, well, it's not a trend. It's not me. Um, I can change that with the next two birdies, the next two holes. Um, so let's just move forwards. Let's not fall into the story. Um, and, you know, I I believe what your swing coach said growing up. I mean, I do think that yeah, most of golf is, is storytelling. And that's why sometimes the kind of like the – kind of the wilder minds of the game sometimes are some of the best players because you can tell they're just out there writing their own story, telling themselves the most ridiculous things that, you know, they could ever think of. And um, I've also said something about golfers is that, you know, some guys just have no shame and there's something about um, having no shame kind of brings great athleticism because you're not scared to do anything. You're not scared to, embarrass yourself you're not scared to fail and you just the reins are off when you're out there and you're just competing and you're kind of in your most natural athletic state so you know i think all that stuff is um great information great mentality and you know definitely going to breed confidence and good results well you talked about being aware and that's very important more than we chatted with him you talked about the structure that you guys have worked on and you bring up this kind of vibe where it's like you have a structure out there of kind of how to think, what to think about, what not to think about, but it's very relaxed. And I think that's the key, right? You're not, because you can't overwhelm yourself with mental strategy, but you, you do have to look for signs and clues. Is that fair? It's very fair. Um, I would say, yeah, our structure is relaxed. It's, you know, three generalized moments, but they're 
really the only three moments that you need to worry about. And you're kind of always in them. We call it the box. You're always in the box when you're playing professional golf. And, yep. Um, you just got to, you're, you're sort of free to go do with it what you will and work the box as well as you possibly can that day. And, yeah, the next day you get to go back out and do it again. So um, I do think it's been fun and, and freeing to sort of create that structure for us. So, Brendan, I'm going to shift gears for a second going from mental to the actual swing uh, for a second. I, When I mm-hmm. was following your story, it inspired me because, you know, I heard about your big right miss. And for context, uh, I share your pain because I've had it for the last year, year and a half, where historically I played baseball my whole life um, until, you know, through high school and everything, then I picked up golf. And um, driving was always one of my best, one of my biggest strengths. Um, mm-hmm. but when I, I've been struggling with it and, you know, I go up and the entire round, you're like hoping that you don't have that 50 yard right block. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when I heard about your story, I bought Bradley Hughes ebook and I read the whole thing mm-hmm. and, um, I liked a lot of it, but I feel like I didn't get enough about the drills. And I, I know you've talked yeah, a lot well, about the drills. That's kind I'm of curious, our purpose. Is that because of the seven hundred and fifty dollar uh online? <laughs> yeah, you drill can go theory? pay him for lessons. <laughs> yeah, you either go buy yeah. the online drill series if you go go show up and uh you know, get some lessons and they'll teach you the drills you need. And I mean in a way, I think it too, it's like, you know, even though I've been working with Bradley for almost two years, I can't always prescribe the maybe the right drills to a friend who I'm playing with as he can right you know it's right it's sort of his eye it's his philosophy it's his experience that he has which is a lot more than i have so you know in a way you would want him to be prescribing the drills you wouldn't just want him to say look man there's eight drills you got to go do all of them or else you're not going to be good at golf i mean that's a little jim mclean of them right there's the eight, eight step swing so i think uh yeah a lot of it is he didn't want to, you know, write a book that's like, all right, if you do these eight drills, you're going to be a good good ball striker. It was more or less right. a book that, you know, describes, uh, you know, some of the great golf swings and how they're similar, how they're different, and w- what the most important parts are, you know. And then it, then you can kind of go out and um, go on your journey of trying to become a better player. I don't necessarily think he wrote the book to say, once somebody reads this book, he's going to become a better human. He's going to know exactly what to do. Right. Well, I know the impact bag was really big for you. And just real quick, I'd love Absolutely. to hear what that did for you. Because I'll say, like, you know, I'm, it, it seemed a little counterintuitive to me in the sense that I know one of Bradley's biggest things is the power should actually come after, or the speed should come after impact. And most amateurs, you know, slow down after impact. They think about hitting it, where the best ball strikers accelerated through. And so for me, the impact bag always felt a little counterintuitive, and I didn't understand quite what it would do for me. But if I have a big right miss, maybe I should buy one. So I'm curious what that did for you. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, if you get an impact bag, the speed's going to be greatest at the bag, right? Right, right. So I guess theoretically, you would be accelerating right after you hit the off ball if you 
all releasing the quad properly because mm. even with an impact tag. So I think I do think even though it might not, may not feel like it when you're doing it, you are creating more speed <clears throat> at the bag and potentially beyond it than you are a foot or two before it. So because you still have angle, you, you haven't gotten rid of all the angles. So you haven't gotten rid of you haven't un, uh, you haven't released the entire lever yet uh, before the mm. bag. So. I do think that if you think about it the right way, the bag is actually creating more speed after the hit than it is before the hit. It just doesn't feel like it. Now, for me, um, I've always been somebody who likes to rotate the face a little bit going away from the ball and back to the ball. So, you know, some was that play with a square to open club face. I've always had a little bit of a fade, especially if I miss it. So um, that would make sense, me being a little bit more of an open, open club face player. And a couple times in my career, when I would get a little bit off, you know, mostly what would happen is my body work would get a little sloppy. My leg work would get sloppy. I'd, I'd get ahead of the ball, and so I wouldn't really set lever, and I'd have an open call face and hit a little bit of a cut shot. Well, teachers would see the fact that I have a club face that rotates away from the ball a little bit, and they'd say, oh, you just got to get that club face rotation out. And then when you're coming in impact, you know, it won't be open. You'll hit it straighter. You'll hit it higher. And that's, you know, man, that's the way to the way to go. And when you're struggling at golf and you know you're still pretty close, you're like, okay, perfect. One club face adjustment is going to help. I'm going to try this. Right. Both I've times, been told this exact thing, by the way. Yeah, and I mean, both times it worked for two weeks. Yeah. You know, I'd go to my next tournament. I'd hit it better at top 10. And you're like, oh, bam. A month later, I would start hitting it 50 yards right. And it would just start with one or two shots, you know, in a tournament. But those one or two shots are scary, and they're hard to forget. And so you you move on thinking, okay, I've got to do it more. I've got to close the club face even more going back, right? So when that happens, then you then you have to learn to hold the face off for impact more and more and more. And what happens then is, okay, now the more you hold it off, the more likely you are to hit that shot when you're right, when you get a little tight or your body work gets back to you know, maybe the sloppy or the, the tight uh, body work you have under pressure and you slide ahead of it, ball face is more open, ball goes further right. Well, hmm. Brad's the first guy out of all the teachers I saw who said, <clears throat> you actually have a closed club face coming down and you're holding it off and standing up because you know if you don't, it's going to get left. So I was just, I just had no idea how to release the club face again. So even if I would go back and rotate it open, I was still holding it off going through. So I didn't know how to release the club face coming down because I trained my way out of it after I closed the club face going back. And that, um, you know, he really likes to see uh, guys hit the impact back from a pretty open, shallow shaft position with an open glove mm-hmm. face. So you can really unload all the forearms, all the wrists, get all the power and energy out of your hands and forearms that you have. And that drill for me retrained and retaught me how to square the club face up. And that was the number one problem in my golf swing in my golf game period. And after I did that, you know, I immediately started hitting it better. I hit fewer shots right. I built competitive confidence. I shot some low rounds. And, you know, then I was able to go, you know, make some improvements on some of the other areas of my swing that he also thought we could improve. And, you know, and that's why I'm a better golfer now than I've ever been. 
Yeah, so we're just going to continue this for one more of just helping Evan's game. Um, but <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about takeaway for a second because takeaway is something that I've obsessed over for years and I'm always tinkering with and I find it there's this in, the one thing I did really like about well there's a few things I really liked about Bradley's stuff but the one thing that I think is a little bit freeing is the sense that it doesn't matter what your takeaway is, as mm -hmm. long as whatever helps mm -hmm. you get to the 430 swing path, right? Um, right? Which is basically using a clock and the club kind of trailing mm -hmm. your right arm on the way down. And um, so I was curious, like, but on the flip side of that, like, Cermak gives me trouble. I'll send him a swing every now and then. I'll be like, hey, I, think, I feel like I'm finally making progress. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, the club's a little too inside. And I'm like, well, technically, mm -hmm. here's a question for, for you, Brennan. Does it matter that my club's inside if my baseball muscle memory always brings my swing? I think a lot of amateurs have this problem where it comes down steep, right? And it's really hard to find width and shallow on, on downswing. Right. Um, Absolutely. If, if I'm taking it inside, the that puts me, yeah, that puts me in a position to feel like I'm coming in more shallow. Is there an issue with being more inside then? In my opinion, probably not. I mean, I can't say for everybody, oh, take the club more inside and it's going to work. Right. Um, I can just say that, as Brad said in that book, I mean, there's been guys who take the club back all different ways, whether it's, you know, rolling the club head behind them like Ray Floyd or taking the club head well outside the hands like a Jim Furyk. Um, you know, the most important part is the downswing and whatever gets you to that point is what is right. You know, it doesn't have to go back in a perfectly straight line with the club on your hands because you aren't really trying to bring the club back down on some perfectly straight line. All you're really trying to do is create leverage at a shallow angle so you can then release the, the club and pick the golf ball off the ground and hit it up in the air at your target. So there's there's no one way, there's no right way. Um, I've even found out in my swing in the last year, there's been times where I'll video it and they're like, yeah, the club's inside my hands halfway back. And for years and years and years, teachers would tell you it can't be there and you can't play from there. And I mean, I think I was in that spot in Bermuda when I won. So <laughs> I don't think it's, that, it's I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, Brendan, I was just watching your Bermuda highlights actually today, and yeah, mm -hmm. sure, right? You technically, you know, there's a seven minute clip on bjtour.com of your of your highlights. Yeah, and technically it's a little inside, but it looks so free and relaxing. I imagine what it felt like you being actually doing it. But like to your point, it's yeah. like it just it was you were repeating the motion, and once you get halfway up, you're perfect at the top, and the rest is history. Exactly. Yeah. I tell my friends that even who are working on their swings or talk, asking me questions, and I just say the backswing really is more about timing. You know, you it's more about setting up the sequence for the downswing. <clears throat> yeah, so you've kind of got got to get your weight, you know, turning away from the golf ball the way you want to, so you can feel that pressure going down back into the golf ball the right way. You know, if you look all pretty going back, but you feel all stiff and coiled and right. tight and in a sure. rush coming down, then it's really not um, a very good, powerful position. 
but if you're if you have a deep turn and you've got a you know a good amount of weight on your right foot and you feel like you could sit up there for hours upon hours, then you're probably in a pretty good spot. That's sort of yeah. one of the things I, that I've learned. You know, when I was working on my swing before Brad, I I was videoing it and you know even doing some stop and go drills where I would stop at the top and then try and hit. And one of the things I always knew or noticed was I don't feel like I can stay up here at the top of my swing very long and feel comfortable or come down with any sort of um, speed and um, I don't know what call it, but timing. Right? Yeah, timing, really. Yeah. But now I feel like I can take the club to the top and stay up there for a little while. So even though I might not do it in my swing, I might not have like a Hideki Matsuyama pause, uh, I do feel sure. like the timing of my of my swing is really good and um, my backswing sets that up and where I'm going on the downswing is what really sets it up. Right. Yeah, you're just watching those clips here. You're definitely not accelerating to the top. You just you're just waiting for it. And you're just ripping through it to yeah. the left side. Um right. no it's, it's great. I encourage all the listeners to watch uh Brendan's clips from the lead yeah. last year. It's right. big, but Brad's big, Brad's big thing for me has been that impact and post-impact is priority number one. And then entry into the golf ball is priority number two. And the backswing is priority number three. So if you, yeah. when you figure out where you want to finish and how you want to get there, then you can worry about how you want to go back away from the ball. It's, you, know, you almost have to think backwards, in my opinion, after learning from him. Um, you know, the, that's brilliant. The, the way to the way to build a great backswing is to know exactly where you want to go on the way down and how how you want to finish. Yeah. Now that's really good. Um, we got a few more questions for you, but we'll get back to the mental game here because Evan is just a head case with his swing right now. So I appreciate you coaching him. <laughs> you know, you know, it's a journey with him. But um, you know, we talked a little bit about this, but your success right now, or you know, the last you know six months is really. You you seem to really be you have this great mix of you're focused out there, but you're also relaxed. We kind of touched on that a little earlier. But it, for the listeners to dumb that down a little bit, do you have any tactics or habits you use, whether it's the the day of the round or when you're on the course that you helps you get in the zone, but also get out of the zone, um, so you can keep your sanity and you know not overwork yourself up when you're playing. I've definitely learned uh, over this journey the last, you know, eight to ten years as a pro, uh, just how much practice I need, how much focus I need, and I, I think now that I've gained so much confidence and I, I'm aware that look, I only need 30 balls on the range to warm up my swing. Um, I don't have to go to the range afterwards and, and beat balls, no matter what how I play. You know, maybe going hitting some wedges. You know, maybe. A 20 or 30 minute cool down on the range is good, but it doesn't have to happen every day. I think that's brought me a lot of confidence, a lot of peace of mind, um, and the ability to go out and turn around and feel pretty relaxed and feel like I'm not searching. Um, if I had a bad shot, I know what to do. And, you know, I'm not going to go make myself miserable day in and day out by trying to search, trying to perfect the game. So. I think losing a little bit of that perfectionist attitude has freed me up on the golf course and allowed me to enjoy a little bit more and, um, you know, sort of know 
I know what's coming after the round. I know what's coming the next day. I, I feel like I'm just more consistent day in and day out, and that's brought me a little more yeah. peace of mind on the golf course. But otherwise, there's no real trick. Um, it, it's really just uh, I'm in a good place right now mentally, and I'm with confidence, or I, I was before the break, and um, I feel like you know that I've, I gained that perspective and that confidence just through hard work and competitive reps. Well, it's like a couple. I think a couple of great takeaways for listeners is you kind of forgot about perfection and you forgot about pretty right. looks, right? As we were talking about the takeaway, for example, right? Mm-hmm. You just kind of. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I think, Brennan, the other side of it, and one of the most powerful things I've learned personally, is something Rory said. I think it was last year's Masters, where he said he's finally learned that he's not his score. Um, and I wanted you to talk about this challenge of knowing what you can shoot, right? By thinking about years past and all the tournaments you've, you've won. And when you were in that, mm-hmm. you know, boat slump, I'm sure it's really easy to self-identify with your previous self. And God, I used to be able to win and I used to be able to break par and I can. You self-identify with that. But can you talk about how quickly self-belief and self-worth can dwindle as your scores rise if you take the mentality of identifying with your scores versus the opposite? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's human nature to do it to yourself. Um, definitely through the, some of the slumps, I was wondering, I was like, man, I was probably a better golfer at 17 years old than I am right now, and that's kind of hard to swallow. But, uh, uh, you know, it, golf is one of those games where you get like words that so much feedback all the time and not to mention every day you get a score and it's hard not to identify with the scores that you're shooting and the results you're having. And it's also hard not to uh, compare yourself to others. So, um, I can't say I really did a great job during either slump of not doing all those things. That's probably what tore me up so much. It's probably what propelled me to work so hard to get back because I wanted to prove to myself that, I was as good as I was before, that I could become a better player, that um, I was as good as my peers, and, you know, that I was good enough to win again. And so the good thing about golf is it always gives you uh, little things to work on. It gives you carrots to work towards. um, And, you know, it's just you kind of get out of it what you put into it. So for me, I've always loved working at the game. I like practicing. and. I think that's why I've been able to kind of grind through the ups and downs. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good. Then this is this is really our last question for you, and we'll let you go. Um, obviously, very challenging times right now with the virus. Uh, Evan and I have actually had very close mutual friends greatly affected by this. They're doing okay. The wow. family, thank God, they're turning the corner. That's thank good to hear. Down. Right, but. Um, you know, and, and for you, talk. You know, you're very open with, with us and, and with you know, and some of your your personal challenges. We all go through personal challenges, but this is a time for mm-hmm. reflection, like you talked about. Any lessons you know you can share? Um, you know what you've been through and how it kind of relates to you now, and how you, how you kept yourself up and what you you leaned on to get you through. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely have faith in God um, and faith in family. You know, and I believe that. Those are probably the two most important things in life. They're probably what you're going to look back on at the end of your life and say, man, I'm the most proud of those, uh, and those are the moments that I cherish the most. So 
um, you know, for me, it's I've always tried to keep good relationships with my family members, with my with my friends, and with God, and try to uh, you know keep that as priority number one, and then let yeah. golf and let you know uh, other things just kind of take care of themselves and be what they are, and um, just sure. I think there's having that priority and that uh, framework in your life is really important and probably something that's missing a little bit in today's world of social media and, uh, you know, image competition that we're in right now. So, um, you know, definitely I'm feeling for all the people that are sick and getting coronavirus and battling through these difficult times. And, uh, man, I sure would love some kind of miracle heat wave to improve things. Um, I would, I pray that people will be personally responsible and distance themselves and, you know, try and stop the spread and that we'll all get through this with uh, the smallest amount of damage possible. But I know that it's not in our hands um, ultimately, and we've just got to do our best and um, lift up those that we can. Absolutely. No, it's great. Well, thanks so much, Brennan, for coming on. I know we yep. went a bit over, great um, but this was, this was a great conversation. Is there anything any you want to tell the listeners where they can follow you or anything you want to plug before uh, we let you go? Yeah, sure. I have an Instagram account, uh, Remin Todd PGA. And um, don't post a ton, but I'm uh, probably going to try and ramp it up here as we go along as I get a little better at it. And, um, you know, I just I hope people will return to the PGA Tour to uh, come out and watch us if and when that time comes. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get sports and get life as we know it and as we love it, um, you know, just back uh, where we want it to be. Amen. We're rooting for you. And we'll be be excited to watch you whenever we get back, um, get sports back. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thanks for diving in with us. Love to come back. Thanks for your time. Care. All right. See you. Take care. Bye.